0: Are you a pastor ministry leader or volunteer perhaps a stay-at-home parent business executive or college student do you desire to see the nations come to faith in jesus christ let me tell you something fascinating something that is happening in our lives that's never happened before the nations are coming to us yes where we once had to travel across the world to share the gospel The nations are now coming to North America through means of business, tourism, university study, and more. The world's most unreached people groups are coming to us. The next best question to ask, how do we reach them with the gospel? I want to introduce you to a missions organization called Global Gates. Global Gates exists to reach the ends of the earth through global gateway cities. You too can be involved in this mission from wherever you are, Simply go to globalgates.info for more information.
1: Well, welcome everyone. We're back at Let's Talk Diaspora, and this season we're looking locally and globally. And I'm really excited about our guest today because we have not done many interviews with those that are serving among the diaspora outside of North America. So, um, welcome Jake. And I'm sad that Stacy's not with you, but welcome. And we're glad to have you. Um, tell us a little more about yourself.
2: Yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm Jake and I was, um, brought up in Texas, good old Texas and raised as a as a church goer and believer doing the legacy church thing and but God really put on my heart at some point um, that um, our people weren't really growing in, in in discipleship and health and and joining the work of God like I saw in scripture you know as I'm reading scripture and I'm seeing these amazing things happen and these leaders raised up and I wasn't seeing that unless, you were going through a seminary or you were going through some sort of a formal big, big time training. And so that, that really brought me on a journey of really trying to figure out, how can we do that here? How can we start simple paths for, for regular ordinary Christians to join in the kingdom of God work and, and see a big vision reached, not just a vision of growing a church, but a big vision of seeing uh, people reach a whole region. And, um, and god you know i do wish my my wife was here as well cuz she has a great journey as well but but she was also someone sitting in a pew wondering like god is this it for me is this all you have for me to like you know change baby's diapers or welcome people at the door um is this it and and she really had a moment of surrender um and it changed everything for her and god really showed her how she was going to be a part of the kingdom of God and in, in raising up leaders, vision casting, training, and reaching lostness, and she's never been the same since. But she had to leave her yes at the door, and she had to lay it at, at the at the altar. And and as a husband, I was so thankful because in my mind, I had these ideas. Like you want to see your wife thriving, um, but I had these ideas for her of. She needs to join a women's group and she needs to do this. But God's plan was so much better than mine. And so he's really brought us along and given us both a heart um, to reach lostness. So we began in Dallas uh, trying to reach lostness, whether that meant in mobile home parks. At, At one point, you know, speaking diaspora specifically, joining a group and really prayer walking around a refugee area. And we ended up meeting some people. Um, there's big needs there, but also trying to find leaders and groups there. And, and that was a really blessed time. Um, but eventually God called us to go to a darker area, a, a place with less work, you know saturation. And so he, he brought us to Spain and um, really we didn't know Spain. We took a, we took a vision trip over to Europe and we're just praying in each location. and honestly, the reason we chose Spain, uh, was a few, but really God opened a whole bunch of doors here through networking that we took as signs of God is saying, hey, here is where I'm calling you to, and I'm going to open all the doors that you need opened here. And so we ended up here in Madrid and really have just been doing pioneering work here in Madrid, um, trying to follow the spirit.
0: Jake, thanks for catching our listeners up. Um, you and I actually connected your time in, in Dallas. We had just a little bit of overlap before you left for Spain, but what, what are, what are some things that you learned in the U S as you're going through this process of just hearing from the Lord, seeing his vision for the nations, his heart for the lost. What are some of the very practical things that you learned in a U.S. context or North American context that are maybe principles that just apply everywhere you've ever been?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. Well, the first thing I learned is there is diaspora in the United States. (laughs) I don't think I realized that. And, And in Dallas, wow, there's a huge, huge population of diaspora in Dallas, Um, so I think that's the first thing God opened my eyes to, but the second thing is, you know, in my former life, I would have said, well, we need to, to build a church, you know, for each of these people groups. But I think the other principle God really taught us is it's not about, Hey, getting a building and and starting a church and hoping some of these diasporas show up. It's about praying and first and seeking the Lord, and seeking His vision, and seeking the Spirit. And then once you started doing that, is, okay, let me find out where these people groups are, and let me just show up and see what God does with that. And so honestly, that that was the first step of obedience God called us to, is just go somewhere and show up. And so we showed up and start prayer walking, and all of a sudden God connected us with a specific person, where we offered to pray and it was an open door. It was like a green light person. Um, and, and when we prayed, you know, there were tears that fell, and there was like a there's a hunger there, and and that person ended up leading us into a, a group of kids that were playing soccer, and then all of a sudden we're playing soccer with these kids, and then we're meeting their families. And so, like, how do you get into this? What do you do? Well, to me, it's just you have to trust the spirit on that, and so that principle of just going, praying, and then when God shows up, I know what to say. I, I know what that next step would be. It's the gospel, and it's trying to start reading about Jesus in Scripture. It's, it's really that simple. Um, but some other principles I learned that I think are important is, you know, there is a lot of need with diaspora. Uh, there is a lot of, of need, and as an American Sometimes, you know, we, we're, we're some of the most wealthy people in the world. And a lot of times we can think it, we need to give, you know, that's how we can help a person is by giving them money. And I think that's another principle I had to learn is sometimes God does ask you to give and and help monetarily. But a lot of times the thing that we can give the most is the story about Jesus and teaching somebody how to follow Jesus. Um, and so not coming in with the mindset of I can I, my money is going to solve all these problems. Um, but coming in the mindset of Jesus is going to solve all these problems and starting from there and then seeing where the spirit leads you after that.
1: Can you, can you tell us one of the stories or a story of kind of how one of those conversations has gone for you and, um, the doors that God's opened for you to be able to share Jesus?
2: Well, um, in in Dallas specifically, yeah, we we had met uh, one of the girls, um, and you're just kind of walking up, and we say, hey, you know, this is our community, and we're trying to bless our community with prayer. Is there something we can pray about in your life? And it does kind of catch people off guard, but this specific woman uh, was interested, and she said, actually, yeah, I, I have this prayer, and she had a need for a job. And then she also had a need for this boyfriend that she was seeing. And so uh, we prayed right then and there. Like we put our hand on her shoulder and we pray for her. And and um, it was a really powerful moment. And I think we found uh, over the years that when, when people are so spiritually thirsty and hungry, um, a lot of times they don't always just need knowledge about God. But if, if I can pray with somebody, they literally can encounter the true and living God right there. And that spiritual thirst that maybe they don't even know is there. They're not even aware that they're thirsty. But when they get a taste, you know, it's funny that Jesus says, you know, um, taste. You know, I'm the living water. Come to me and you'll never thirst again. When they get a taste of a connection with the living God, there's something powerful that can happen. It doesn't always happen, but that can happen. And I think it happened with this woman. And so she, she was really touched by that. And, and because of that, she invited us into her group. So um, she had a son, and he came out, and we ended up playing soccer with him. And then all of a sudden, we more kids just, you know, when you play soccer, I think that's a great entry. Soccer is a language of everybody, and, and especially in some of these groups. And so we all started playing soccer and getting to know the kids, and then it just kind of goes from there. Um, of wanting to meet their parents and, and finding out more and more things as we went along.
0: Jake, one of the things I'm hearing is you really had fun doing this stuff, <laughs> right?
2: Yeah, yeah, it's true. It, it's fun, right? It's fun to follow Jesus. It's not pressure. It's not uh, a difficult chore. There, There's truly, it's fun. And, and when you're following the Spirit, uh, some of the coolest some of the best friends in my life today are people that I met that you would say in the harvest and it's like a blessing to get to to be a ambassador for christ and it's not just about the work and getting things done but it is about just enjoying the moment following the spirit and yeah it's it's exactly what you said it, it can be very fun at times
0: so I'll just insert here's a little plug commercial it's like if if you're kind of in your faith community, and you're not having fun. Maybe, maybe you need to get out and meet people that don't follow Jesus. Share the gospel with them. Prayer walk. See where the Lord's at work. And if you need help doing that, I'm sure that if you reach out, we can connect you with someone that help you do that. Uh, because Jesus is the Lord of the harvest. He's already there. He's already working. He's already invited you to join him. And, you know, Jesus may say something like, hey, repent, turn, turn from not having fun following me to having fun following me. Uh, and so I-, I just see sometimes people aren't having, this is, this is a joy. And if you're not finding your walk with Jesus joyful right now, man, there are so many people who are having fun following Jesus that can be a model for you.
1: And I was thinking, even as we talk about the fun, and. I mean, we know that we hear no's or we hear people that aren't interested. Can you tell us about a time that maybe you have been discouraged in the work and how the Lord maybe brought you out of that discouragement um, back into the fun place (laughs) that Bud's talking about?
2: Yeah. Well, I think it, it came along with me learning what evangelism really is about. And I think when I was younger, I thought evangelism was acquiring a suitcase of arguments that I could go out and win with. Um, And when when I had that, that that one, that's not fun. (laughs) And you end up arguing with a lot of people, but it's a lot of pressure. And there's a lot of, well, what if they ask me a question and I don't know it and, you know, I don't want to be that person. So what I found is when I have that view of evangelism, I tend to just not evangelize. Um, it's it's scary. But what I found as I as I started reading Scripture more, and and really getting into man, what did the first disciples do? What did the first apostles do? What did their apostles do? You know, you find that. You know, and I love the Romans 10 verse, uh, Romans 10, 14 through 7, 17, but it basically talks about, you know, it, who will go? Um, how can they hear if, unless somebody is sent? And, and, and at the end of that, it says um, that the gospel is the thing that can change somebody's heart. The gospel is the power that changes somebody's heart. And when I heard that for the first time, it really struck me is is the suitcase of of arguments that I'm taking if it's if it's not centralized on the gospel then it doesn't even really matter I'm just tr- trying to win an argument with somebody or I'm having an intellectual debate with somebody but the one weapon that we have that can actually pierce somebody's heart is the gospel and the gospel is just the story a love story of God and it is convicting But there's no pressure on me to have to to tell it a perfect way or to sell it. It's just the gospel. And, And what I found is that when the gospel hits certain people's hearts, it does pierce somebody's hearts. And what you find out is that God, in a lot of these cases, has already been working in somebody's heart all along. And then at just the right moment, he sends me, and I just get to speak the gospel and watch something happen. Sometimes it happens immediately. Sometimes it takes time. But I don't have to worry about that. And and now I'm reminded of the story of Mark 4, where the farmer is sowing seed, but he goes to sleep. And it's okay for us to release it, release something after you share the gospel and just let the spirit do the work. And then we look for the little sprouts. So I think that's what changed my mindset is learning, hey, evangelism is really just about loving people, praying for people, trying to connect them with their father, but it's focused on the gospel. And when that when that was my mindset, then the pressure was off me to be able to to win arguments and perform at a high level.
0: That's a great great encouragement. I heard someone say recently on on the idea of the parable of the growing seed and the parable of the sower. He, he said um, he said we're not soil inspectors, we're seed sowers and fruit inspectors. Because sometimes we look at someone and we're like, oh, we can't share the gospel. That, that's that's being a soil inspector. Jesus never called us to be soil inspectors. He, he called us to be seed sowers. And the idea of the parable of the the growing seed is like you have to see that sprout. The idea of the parable of the soil is you, you have to see what type of soil the, the seed landed in. Like we're just fruit inspectors and seed sowers.
2: Yeah, I love that. And it takes, it takes the pressure off it, but it also gives us a simple job that even like a seven-year-old can do that. A nine-year-old can participate in that. You don't have to have a theology degree to do that. Like we all get to be a part of, of this harvest work. So yeah, I love that.
0: So we've talked about just your time in in Texas. You've told us that you've transitioned and and you're living in Spain now. You mentioned that the Lord had opened some doors. Um, we may have people that are listening that the Lord may be relocating? You don't have to give specifics, but what are some of the things that the Lord, you felt like, used to direct you and confirm that that's where you should be going?
2: Um, so we we really had a clear vision, and as we've been working in Dallas for, for a period of time, God really brought us along, and He gave us some great mentors who who poured vision, who poured, you know, just simple, biblical, reproducible tools into us. And so when we went, I, I really did feel equipped. Um, and so as we're um, basically when we hit the ground here and, and or we when we were deciding, but also when we hit the ground here, I tried not to come with a mindset of I know everything. You guys need to listen to me, even though I had a very clear vision. I, I knew what I was looking for. I really tried to come with a learning posture and a how can I be praying posture. So as I'm connecting and networking with pastors, mission workers, missionaries, uh, ministries, um, I, I'm trying to connect with all of them. And actually, that's actually something Stacy was really good at, as networking and connecting. But our first thing that we would say to people was, I mean, how can we be praying for you? And like, what are you seeing the Lord do here?" And, and so when I talk about we started seeing open doors is we started hearing people expressing the same vision that we had and expressing a desire to want to have some collaboration. And, and we took that as open doors. Um, we, we, we don't, I don't want to um, talk bad about any other ministries because we need all types of ministries and all types of strategies doing all the things. But we felt very called to a specific type of vision and strategy and so when God is connecting us with people that are like-minded in that way, that was really an affirmation to us that the God, that God was calling us to, to this place.
1: I, and please know if this is not something you want to share, but um, can you tell us more? What is that specific vision and um, direction that the Lord was giving you? Um, Cause others that are on this, podcast may be interested in that same vision and direction?
2: Well, we have a vision to be catalysts. So we want to find local people, local leaders who we can help raise up, equip um, to take ownership of the missionary task. So like that's our vision. Uh, We're not necessarily coming here as some other people are called to do, just to plant a church and kind of pastor a group of people. Uh, we feel much more called to being these catalyzers of raising up leaders who can who can reproduce and, and see many, many churches reproduced. Cause ultimately we'd love to see a movement. And so we have that specific vision. And if we're not working with kind of like-minded people, you you can kind of, you know, there can be some tension there. Because if you really want to build and we need both. I, I believe we need both. Um so, but I think it's good to start to run with people who have that kind of similar vision as you and similar strategies so that there's, no, there's less tension and you, you both can kind of run and encourage each other and build one another up as you're going along.
0: Great explanation. So tell, tell us, give us an update of what's happening in, in Madrid. What's, what have you seen the Lord do as you've taken what you've learned in the States and, and applied it there? <clears throat>
2: Well, man, that's eh, where to start. So we, when we came to Madrid, again, we came with a vision, but we didn't necessarily come saying we have this one specific people group in mind. We really allowed the door, the God to say, these are the doors I want to open. And, and so what we really started with is that networking, but also we started the zero to one type of, of stuff. So that's walking on the street, prayer walking, Uh, And looking for people that we can start praying with and start sharing about Jesus with. It was really a combination of both of those things. And the coolest thing, and, and talking about fun, some of the most fun parts of that is that when God wanted us to work with a certain type of people group, he gave us a person on the street with fruit that led us there. And that opened that door. So uh and one of the stories that's one of my favorite stories is I was in Seoul in Madrid it's a it's a big town square here in Seoul in Madrid and there was a young man had headphones on and, and but I really felt the spirit inside of me say pray for that that person so I tap him on the shoulder he takes off his headphones like a little offended that I'm bothering him asking me what I want and I and I did exactly what I did in Dallas We're here to bless our community with prayer. How can I pray for you? And so he ended up telling us that he was a a Moroccan refugee. And he's basically living out of his car at that moment. And he was at the bottom of the barrel. And he's mad at Allah because he doesn't have a job. He doesn't have a wife. He doesn't have kids. He doesn't have a house. He's tried to be this faithful Muslim for all these years. And yet what has it gotten him? And so he essentially is like on the brink of rejecting his faith. And um, so anyways, we had a really great conversation and I told him about Jesus. We had a great conversation about Jesus. And I said, I would love to pray for you, but I'm going to pray to Jesus. Are you okay with that? I'm going to pray for you to get a job. He said, okay, sure. So I, I put my hand on his shoulder and I'm praying for him to get a job. And the craziest thing happened, like a crowd gathered around us. <laughs> And actually, a guy tapped me on the shoulder trying to interrupt me. So I don't know if it was a good thing or like a spiritual warfare thing. To this day, I don't know. But I basically said, hey, please wait, sir. I'm praying for this gentleman. And we finished praying, and we exchanged numbers. So two weeks later, this this young man calls me. He's about 29 years old. calls me, Jake, I got a job. I'm so excited. It, your prayer worked. And so we went out and we celebrated. And again, I asked him, did you thank Jesus for giving you this job? Because I want to highlight that. He said, no. So right there in the street, we pray, thanking, thanking Jesus. And again, a crowd gathered around us of like three or four people. And another man interrupted me in the middle of my prayer, asking me what I was doing. And I again said, hang on, sir. I'm, I'm praying for this gentleman. And, I, and then we finished praying. So... A few weeks later, Stacy was connecting with a refugee ministry. I think she had gone to a prayer group. So again, a part of this networking, but she was going, she was faithfully going to this prayer group and just praying for diaspora and people groups in this in this town. And she mentioned that we had met this Moroccan man and they were very excited. And so I Stacy and I ended up getting invited in to uh a a group with some leaders of refugee ministries here in Madrid who, and they wanted me to come share the story and encourage people. So as I went and I, and I did that, there was a central Asian refugee that had been moved to Madrid six months prior and we connected and he came up to me and he said this like almost verbatim to me. God, he said, Jake, God has highlighted three people in my life to be my mentor or two people in my life to be my mentor. One was in my home country when I became a Christian. One was uh, when he became a refugee, he had to flee his country and move to another country. There was another gentleman who became a mentor to him and God highlighted that in his heart. And he said, you are the third one. Can, can, I want you to mentor me. And now I'm shocked Uh, But also like, okay, well, let me go back to what I know and this is what I can do. And I kind of was asking him, what is your heart? And He said, I would love to see a church of the people group I come from start here in Madrid. So I said, hey, let's start praying about that and let's start like working for that. So one of the things I showed him is I showed him the four fields on the first day. Um, and we prayed and we had a great time together. And and the next day he sent me a picture and he said, Hey, Jake, I just trained my online church in the four fields. And he showed me a picture and it was in his home language. And it was with a underground church in his home country. And I said, what? What? Like, and he said, yeah, I'm, I'm still leading a few churches online in these countries. I was like, are you like, wow. Okay. So uh, tell me about that. And we dug into that a little bit more. And he ended up telling me that, you know, he had to flee his country. He was arrested originally and then he had to end up fleeing. Uh, and he's continuing to lead these groups, but it's very difficult. He's here in Madrid, they're there, and he's not seeing leaders raise up. And I said, let's let's get to work on that. Let's, let's get into scripture and see how Paul and his, his disciples raised up leaders. And let's try implementing some of these things with you. Um, and so that's ended up what happened. Um, and he implemented, he just started implementing like the three circles gospel. Hey, here's an easy way to start sharing the gospel. His people started sharing the gospel. Let's implement the three thirds process. He started implementing that. He started seeing people start taking some leadership, start, start taking some ownership. He started giving pieces of the three thirds away. He saw, he saw some leaders really raised to the top. And then over really a six-month period, he saw his two groups, so one in, in two different countries, turn into like 10 groups in five here, three here, and then two in this other country. And so, and I'm blown away, you know, and this is fun, you know, it truly is, like to see God work, see God, God mobilizing people, and I've never even met these people, um, it was truly amazing. And so, I guess that's kind of to answer your question in a roundabout way. That's a way that God opened the door when He wanted me to meet a specific leader. When He wanted this specific leader to be able to form leaders uh, and grow His groups bigger.
1: I, I, as you're talking and sharing that story, I just I think that is what diaspora is all about. It is going out, having fun, and watching the map that you know, God creates, um, through so many people and connections and it's not always those that you're connected directly with. And, um, it just, and it goes all over, um, as well. It's very exciting and very fun (laughs) for sure. Can you tell us about some needs and opportunities that you have in your work?
2: So, (laughs) um, I, th- I think what we need there, Spain is really a, a strategic location because you have so many different people groups coming through Spain. It's, Spain is 13 kilometers away from North Africa. Uh, so there's a lot of immigration. I think last year there was um, two, 300,000 asylum seekers granted asylum in Spain. And uh, so it's really a point of entry. On the west side of the continent, whereas, you know, Greece and then into Italy are on the east side of the continent. And so I think there is a great need of kind of like minded workers workers who want to see indigenous people uh, saved, find God, but also raised up as leaders to reach their own people groups. Um, We need more workers who are willing to do that and fill in those gaps. We need workers on the border of Spain in the Andalusia and Murcia area. We need workers in the big towns like Madrid and Barcelona where the the, the refugees and the immigrants are coming in and they're trying to find work in the big cities. Um, there's just a whole lot of gaps. We, we need people who will say, man, I have a heart for Senegalese people and I'm really gonna focus on Senegalese people. I have a heart for Moroccan people and I'm gonna focus on Moroccan people. I have a heart for Central Asian people or East Asian people, like the list goes on and on. All of these are represented here. In fact, there's 200,000 Chinese people here and most of them are not integrated into Spanish society and most of them are not believers and there's a great need for that. So. Just really pioneer people who are willing to come and say, "I'm going to get my feet in the ground. I'm going to get my hands dirty, and I'm I want to start pioneering some work and filling a gap that's needed."
0: It's a great, great observation and, and definition of the need. And and I would I would add um, too, like if you're listening and you're a pastor and you have a Spanish speaking ministry that your church partners with or maybe meets in your building what greater opportunity to mobilize the global body of Christ from our Hispanic brothers and sisters to a very strategic place in Europe where there's streams of people coming in. They already know the trade language. Um, and if, if I'm honest, I have a lot of partners that I work with that are Hispanic, man, honestly, they they put us to shame And, and I say us because all three of us are Anglo. Um, they put us to shame. Their, their perseverance, their dedication is, is amazing. And we, we have a part too in encouraging and mobilizing the, the Hispanic church and the opportunities are really, um, global. So we're talking about local and global. I I would say that most of the people that I know that seeing significant fruit in a diaspora context. Is very very similar to the story Jake has shared. He's he's found a natural leader, and it's impacting lostness in country of origin, um, and and not just country of origin, but other places. Like we know stories of of Iraqis outside of Iraq, but reaching Iraqis. We know we have stories of Ethiopians on you know the in Gulf Arab countries reaching Gulf Arabs and it's it's just what God is doing in this moment. And if you want to have fun, you just plant you just listen to the Lord, plant your feet somewhere and watch what he does. Going and trusting that he's already at work. And our encouragement is just to pray and seek what your your contribution is. There's there's I'll I'll close with this and then Rebecca you can wrap us up. A phrase that's really been close to my heart and mind in the last 6 months and an encouragement to every believer is is for you to clarify your best contribution to seeing the Great Commission finished. Clarify your best contribution. We we don't have to do it all, but every single one of us has a contribution.
1: And it can be fun. I think that's been my—that three-letter word has been the topic of our conversation today is how fun God is, what an adventure it is to serve alongside of Him, So, thank you, Jake. And um, please give our love to Stacy. And I'm just very thankful that God has you there in Madrid and how he's reaching many parts of the world through you. Um, Please, everyone know, um, put in likes on all your social media um, outlets and connect people with our podcast, Let's Talk Diaspora. And if it, there'll be show notes at the end of our podcast, as well as um, please comment if you have anything that you would like for us to cover or questions or connections you want to make. So thank you for joining us for Let's Talk Diaspora.